Hey, it's another edition of Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round, and we do this every week. It's brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Use that code next round. Secure that first deposit bonus on the house from MyBookie.ag. How are you, my friend? Good. How'd you do last weekend? Um, I did good. We had a winning week. I'll tell you, if I would have gotten LSU against Florida State, which we'll get to that game in a little bit, it would have been great. I had Duke. Um I had a big play on Toledo against Illinois. Should have won the game outright. Um, But, yeah, it was uh, all in all a good weekend. Getting ready for week one of the NFL, which you and I will get into. Trying to remember the game you were on last weekend because I watched so much football. It was about 190 degrees in Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The great Allison Williams, our sideline reporter after the game, said the first time. And she has, like, hurricane blood in her. She went to the U. She covered the Marlins. She's does this. She's just awesome at her job. She said, "This is the first time I had to sit down. Like I was lightheaded, Gatorade. Like it was, it was a hundred and something. But the field, and the day before we shot the field, like with the little temperature gauge deal. The the day before is like hundred and sixty degrees. And our producers like, get out of here. That thing's broken. So they pulled out like a second one, the old uh, COVID era relics where you'd shoot your temperature right on your forehead to make sure you're cleared. You can go in the stadium, pulled out another one, same deal, 160. I mean, it was, you could smell the rubber and the the pellets in the field turf. You could smell them burning. It was that hot. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And before we get to 129 snaps from Travis Hunter and basically that same heat in Fort Worth, uh, worst conditions you ever played in because you were a Pacific Northwest guy. Yeah, I don't know if you ever played in the Deep South, did you? Not in college. So in college, never had. I mean, the Apple Cup, we played like nine degrees, just awful ice, horrible cold. But uh, no, not in college. But I mean, Arizona State, we opened up. I almost had a teammate die. Like it, literally, we we played them in '98 at night and it was still like 108 degrees but it was so that dry just sauna hot so that was always always a challenge yeah and we had a teammate that would lose 25 30 pounds of, of water weight and we come and we throw a completion to win at the end craziest game i think i ever was a part of we win it convert a fourth and 17 in the final seconds unbelievable and we just euphoria and we come in the locker room and josh is on blocks of ice and the doctors are frantically trying to get IVs, and he is white as a ghost. And they he's locking up, his body's locking up, like they can't get IVs in him. So and it, it kills was, the celebration, I take it. I uh, just uh yeah, just slightly. <laughs> yeah, took a took a little of the joy out of it, but they finally got it in. He uh, plane was delayed. We stuck around for him and, and got home in the early, early hours of played in Miami in a season opener with the Seahawks. That was ridiculous. That's that was the closest, you know, 90, yeah, so, 90 so- humidity. If you would, would you rather play in that Miami humidity or the seven degree apple cup? Probably the seven degree apple cup because that slows everybody down. And those suckers down in South Florida are so used to it. You know, my older brother, Damon, if you remember the whammy in Miami, he and Napoleon Kaufman broke the hurricanes then like 54 game home winning streak. They had the tombstones out in the old orange bowl, man. Awesome. And UW had went down there and ended up beating them and breaking that streak. But those guys, you get so used to that heat humidity, right? They play in it, they're in it. And when you're not, 
and you got to try to somehow jump into that man and you're sweating just like a pig. And for me, just getting a grip on a ball and put your hands under the center's butt and it's a big swampy mess of just nastiness. You're like, this is awful. So yeah, give me the, uh, give me the cold, I think over the heat and humidity. Okay. So I didn't know what to expect from TCU. I thought that they would be good, obviously not as good as they were last year. I thought for sure they'd run Colorado off the field and, uh, Kind of blown away, 45-42. Uh, let's start with Travis Hunter, 129 snaps. I mean, that's, that's still – I've seen a lot in college football. You played the game at that level. Um, I've never seen anything like that. I don't know if we'll see anything like that ever again. I mean, it's just not normal playing 129 snaps, especially your first game ever in the Power Five and your first game of the year in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Heat, which was probably just about as hot – as yes. you guys experienced in Austin. Yes, and I live and make home in, in Colorado, 40 minutes from Boulder. It's been a pretty temperate August. It had not been very hot at all, and so it's not as if he was conditioned for that. Now, obviously, growing up where he grew up and playing at Jackson State and dealing with significant humidity down there in the south, I just, yeah, we've never seen anything like it. And, and you know, they're showing highlights, Charles Woodson, and he's – you know, he's got, you know, some packages when back in the day when he won the Heisman and, you know, did some awesome things and special teams. But think of how, and even when they showed those highlights, think of how slow tempo those games were. You huddle, you catch your breath, right? You have the fact, Lance, that he did that at warp speed on offense and defense is superhuman. You know, they take these guys. And he college. did it on an elite level, uh, level, too. I mean, the guy was making it, plays. It, it's insane. It is. It is. You know, in college, they will measure and, and certainly beyond the Tour de France guys, the uh, marathoners, just like that, that, that CO2, right? Just the lung capacity to do that. And that guy, and, and now they are at altitude, right? You are at 6,000 feet in Boulder. So while you may not have had the heat to get used to it, when you do, and I noticed this with my girls, right, basketball players, and when they would travel out of state, their AAU team from Colorado, they could run all day. So there's no question that the elevation that you're playing at and you're conditioning yourself at and that oxygen level, that he had to feel like he was just, you know, wow, this is, this is great. I'm at sea level and I got all this extra oxygen but still to do what he did at the speed with which he played the tempo with which those teams played is superhuman it's superhuman stuff like, there's not many on earth and in college football the nfl that could go and do that at the pace with which he played it's unlocked with fox's brock Hewer. we do it every week here on disrupt the media tell your friends like subscribe it is brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag Football is back, so is winning season again. To get started, go to mybookie.ag. Register for an account for free. When you register, make sure you put in that promo code next round. You'll grab that welcome bonus on the house from our friends at mybookie.ag. So, Sadur Shanders, I, I didn't know what to think from Deion's kid. Mm -hmm. And after the game, I thought it was really funny when he came out and he was getting interviewed. And he said, everybody talked about this, you know, Division One football and Power Five. And he's like, Hell, I've never thrown for, for this many yards in my life. What did I throw for? 5'10? Yeah. And you know, the kid, he he uh he obviously had control of the offense. It seemed like the game was was slowed down for him. And uh he made great throws. Yeah, a number of factors in play here. I got a chance to watch the first quarter before we had to head to the stadium. The opening kickoff, just the opening kickoff. Lance, if you and I were were in the sports bar watching it together, I would have said to you, wow, that looks different. Colorado is flying and they came down and were the hitter and all they were and have been for largely two decades is the hitty. 
they've been taking that punishment. They get that three and out on the opening series. And I'm like, whoa, you know, any stop today is an absolute win. If you can stop these guys at all. And then they take the ball away with two interceptions in the red zone. And they were, they were going now, you know, they're going to have some challenges sustaining defensively with some of their numbers. And certainly they gave up a ton of yards and points and everything else, but then flip it around that first series offensively was just boom, 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 boom. It was surgical. It was like Trent Dilfer's UAB blazers, right? That kid 38 of 41, <laughs> unbelievable. And it was, here's a completion. Here's a completion. Here's a completion. I call them gimmies, right? Playing the quarterback position. I always wanted gimmies. How many Sean McVay, he will evaluate his first 15 and he will look at those and, and he will say, how many times did I get my QB a completion on the first read? It is my job as I set up a script, as I game plan, as I watch video, as I create matchups, my job is to get you, here's number one, open. Here's number one, open. Here's number one, open. Now, is the game adjusts and they adjust? Okay, then, you know, we may have to, to make it and you may have to get to second and third progressions. But early on, my job is to get you completions. And Sean Lewis, the OC, the best hire that Deion Sanders made, better than any money spent on the collectives and the NIL and players, that guy can coach. Wow. And he schemed them and he schemed them and he schemed them. How many times did Shadur Sanders in that game, in the 40-plus times he threw it, but especially that first half, how many times did he have to go from his primary read? I mean, it was Never. And the first touchdown pass, right? A third down, and they scheme it beautifully. They run a little rub route. TCU Horn Frog dudes are looking at each other like, "Hey, man, I thought you had. I thought you." And I, and that just, golly, that just just jumped out immediately. The efficiency, the tempo, the timing, the number of gimmies that he had. No, no disrespect. He had to throw them all, and he threw them in the biggest of moments. But Sean Lewis, that OC, yeah, there's a reason uh, that the Dion went and got him because he knows that guy can scheme it up. Well, it's pretty amazing that Dion was able to pluck that guy out of the Mac. And I remember originally we took the job because, you know, this was one of those things, feast or famine. It could be a complete disaster. It could be yep. something that is the greatest thing for Colorado football in the last 20 years. But I was thinking to myself, I think Sean Lewis has got a better opportunity probably staying in the Mac, winning eight or nine games and getting that next job. And now, I mean, he's on everybody's radar. Look, right. long season to go. We got 11 more of these games. It yep. starts – with Nebraska this week, yep, and, and you'll love this, Brock. Uh, I was talking to a guy in Vegas, and he sent me this article from Dave Mason, who does a lot of the gambling out there, a lot of the articles, and he said this is the maybe will end up being the biggest bet regular season college football game ever. There's so much money on Colorado minus wow. two and a half right now against Nebraska. Wow. You watched Nebraska against Minnesota. The yeah. offense looked awful. Matt Rule is a hell of a coach. I fully expect them to be ready for this. I don't know how Colorado is going to be able to handle all this success from week one to week two, yep. but I think Colorado's got a battle on their hand. Everybody thinks they're just going to roll out there and, and roll Nebraska. I don't see it. No, it's going to be it's going to be a different game uh, for for a multitude of reasons. I like Matt Rule's D coordinator an awful lot. I think he does an excellent job. I had him at West Virginia a ton, and unlike TCU, that was just grasping at straws. They, they didn't know. Is this going to be Jackson State stuff? Is this going to be Kent State stuff? Is this going to be Syracuse, Dino Babers when Sean was there? Like, what, what do we prepare and plan for? What kind of tempo are they going to play with? Who is their personnel? All of those things. It was all new to every one of us watching it and to that TCU defensive staff as they tried to figure it out. 
Well, now you've got all those plays. Now you have that offense. Now you have all those gimmies. And now you have in Matt Rule and a defensive staff there, one that will be much more well-versed to at least put their guys in position to have answers and different looks. And watch early in that game. How many times does Shadur Sanders have to come off of his first read? I mean, it'll be an easy, easy watch as you're taking that in and looking at like, okay, is he holding the ball? He's not a scrambler. I, I so appreciated that about his game. He was he, he doesn't try to be something he's not. He's trying to find and facilitate. But how many times early in that game is it difficult? And then, oh, by the way, unlike TCU, that went up and down the field and up and down the field and all these possessions, there are going to be a lot less possessions. So, you know, if Shadur comes off the field or it's a three and out or whatever, it's not like, oh, I'm getting the ball back in a minute and a half, <laughs> even if the other team scores. It's like, no, I may not see it for five or six minutes. And you know that Nebraska is just going to have to just run Sims. Like, I'm screaming at the TV Thursday night, like, just run, run. Oh, overthinking it, man. That kid is it? such an athlete. Run. Like, th th that last interception, oh, my gosh, that was as bad a – a decision throw is you'll ever, ever see. So just run the freaking ball 20 times. So, yeah, he's going to run it. They're going to run it. They're going to shorten this game. And that's why I know the number has swung, right, from a huge, from a Vegas standpoint, in a huge way. But it's still, what is it, three, two and a half? Yeah, two and a half now. It opened Nebraska seven and a half. It's all the way flipped. Colorado is minus two and a half now. 85% uh, of the money is on Colorado the, the the sharps out there who know what they're doing, that's yep. the 15% that are on Nebraska right now. Yep. So you're a Pac-12 alum. Um, I think you and I are both sad to see this, this, this conference completely crumble. We've talked about the television deal, how ridiculous that was, where it is right now. But coming into the season, we talked about this could be the best year in Pac-12 history. They're already undefeated at 13-0. and uh, We knew five teams were in the preseason top 18. Yep. Um, I also thought UCLA was going to be really good. We didn't realize Colorado was going to be on the map like this. Yep. But when you start to look at this, who is king of the West? Because if I was voting in the AP, I would have still Georgia number one. They didn't look great, but does it really matter against UT Martin? Mm -hmm. I probably would have Florida State number two. I thought they looked that good. Mm -hmm. None of this stuff matters. It all shakes out. Then Alabama three. I think I would have your Washington Huskies four. I was blown away with not how impressive they looked offensively, but the adjustments they were able to make. I thought Boise was going to be able to play with them and keep it within the 14 points. Yep. One of my losses on Saturday was Boise plus the points. But it, it seems like Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix just on the same page, so much confidence, so much skill talent, and it looks like the defense has improved this year. Yeah, I actually saw them practice in person when I went back to Washington and got to see them. And it was about three weeks into camp, and that day – the defense had their way. And I was like, man, if they are covering this stuff up against these guys, against Jalen and Rome and Penix and a, and a good, like that's a, that's the best sign for actually Oregon state, Utah. You, I mean, the, the, the gauntlet that they're going to have to go through later is if they can actually play complimentary ball. Last year was a lot of their offense defense kind of hanging on for dear life. And a couple of the losses couldn't cover anybody, couldn't do anything, but they are, they are much more complete. Got an NFL edge rusher, got very good, solid college linebackers, got now enough depth in the secondary, some intriguing safety. So that, to me, was the biggest story. I know Penix threw for 450. They look like pros. I mean, they Rome and Jalen and, and, and him just – I think that they could go across the street to the Seattle Seahawks, get on the practice field, and be like, yep, 
yeah, I mean, we're pros. I mean, we know how to play this game at this high level. Now, I mean, we're not, I'm, let's not kid ourselves. They're not all starters in the NFL day one, but they would just, they would acclimate just fine. And they, boy, did they ever show that week one, Utah, USC, Oregon, Washington. And then even, as you said, that next tier down, UCLA play great defense. Colorado was the talk of the weekend. And oh, by the way, the conference is 13-0, and 0, heading into some cool matchups this weekend. Oregon down in Lubbock, Auburn out of Cal. Like, there's some cool – there's going to be some fun stories coming out of this. And if they do what they did in week one, then we're having a legit conversation of depth of this conference, maybe being the best in all of college football. Well, you look at uh, Garrett Riley and how that offense struggled for Clemson on Monday night <laughs> against Duke. And then you look at DJ, what he was able to do – on Sunday, I know it was San Jose State, but I still watched San Jose State for 60 minutes against USC. Yep. And I thought they were a pretty solid squad. You've talked about Brennan as a guy that can coach. Yep. But, you know, Jonathan Smith, man, I just I, – I, I think I'm the only guy on the East Coast that hypes this guy up. But DJ looked like a completely different quarterback. He did. He was able to get through some reads. He threw a bunch of intermediate stuff accurately. The offensive line was good. Offensive line was very good. That running back is a 100-yard-a-game kind of rusher. They balance it out. Uh, you know, they lost some guys right there in July. Got plucked, linebacker, receiver, some guys that were would really help them that I think over the course of the season, some of their depth, as you talk about these teams out west, I mean, they're right in the mix. I mean, there's many that think, and wouldn't it be, speaking of an unbelievable story, is the conference is going to disappear in January. And the two teams, as we talked about last week, most hurt in all of this, Wazoo and Oregon State, who had the least to do with it, who were the most committed to it, who spent whatever it needed to be spent, who went into debt to continue to to, to compete and build what they needed to with, with everybody else. Wouldn't it be unbelievable in the end? Would love it. <laughs> Final year, if it is the Oregon State Beavers that are hosting that trophy and just, yeah, making a mockery of all that fell apart out west. Yeah, so with uh, Fox's Brock Heward, this is unlocked on Disrupt the Media. So I wanted to ask you one more game before we take a little transition because we are going to talk NFL on here each and every week, and we start up this week tomorrow night with Detroit at Kansas City. But Auburn's taking this weird West Coast trip all the way out to Berkeley. Yep. And I did watch some of Cal in North Texas, and Cal looked extremely physical. And North Texas not great, but you go into Denton and you completely dominate that game, and you run for 352. Jade Knott, just tell me about this guy, 188 yards. He looks like he could be a problem for the Auburn Tigers. He was good last year, too. I mean, they just kind of woefully inconsistent, do not have the, the weaponry around him, do not have the bodies at the line of scrimmage in, in their O-line. But Justin Wilcox – is a tremendous defensive coach. I actually asked Chris Peterson uh, this summer. I said, "Who were we had a fun time golfing?" <laughs> I said, "Okay, Can he I'm golf." Ask, by the way, uh, he's okay. No, no, he didn't. He spent his time being a football coach, not not a golfer. Well, will which, he ever coach again? By the way, I thought he was just tremendous. If he does, it's going to be in our transition. If it does, it's going to be at the NFL level, which would be very, very intriguing. But I peppered him with a bunch of questions that any college football fan would have loved, like favorite play call. You know, um, player from college that went to the NFL that surprised you the most of being a great pro. And, you know, we just had some fun back and forth. And I said, okay, who was it in your 30 years in college football? Who was the most difficult defensive coordinator? Who was the biggest problem for you? And he didn't hesitate. Justin Wilcox. Wow. I mean, just like that. And look at Justin at Tennessee. Look at him at Wisconsin. Look at him at Cal. Like, the dude can coach defense. So Hugh Freeze knows this. Um, he he's for sure puts the film on and goes, 
yep, these guys, kind of like Iowa football, man, we're going to have to go earn it. They will give us nothing out there. And they have slowed down Washington in Strawberry Canyon. They have slowed down Gargamenshu in the air raid down there in Strawberry Canyon. Uh, years and years ago, I think this was even, this was, this was before, this was Sonny Dykes coaching Cal. I remember Ole Miss made a trip out there with DK and Shea Patterson oh, yeah. and stuff. Kind of a weird trip. It's weird for those guys to go to maybe one of the weirdest places on. Have you ever been to Berkeley? No, you know, and I was going to ask you about this because I, I know some people weird. that are going. And uh, somebody was talking about this that it's it's such a quiet place. It's kind of eerie, which makes it a difficult place to play. So you've actually played there. Uh -huh. I mean, what is the atmosphere like? Yeah, when I played, it was actually pretty full. But uh, like Marshawn swearing on national television a couple of years ago on that Friday night game, like where the bleep is everybody? <laughs> yeah. like, where did they go? Yeah, a lot of that, unfortunately, has disappeared. But I can only imagine, Lance, I don't know, a, a, a family, a diehard war eagle from Opelika landing in San Francisco, <laughs> driving to Berkeley. And even before they get in the stadium, like, where am I? What yeah. is what is this place? This place is not like Opelika, Alabama, man. It's about as far away in every way, ideologically, the the just people to walk the streets. It's uh it's kind of like the Star Wars. I kind of tell people like this that Star Wars bar, like when they walk in and there's all yeah. these what where yeah, that's kind of Berkeley. And it will, I, I believe it, it man. I, I think I saw a dude that went viral. He he caught himself on fire in the square this year and you know, the paper straws yeah. are blowing up out there. So uh -huh. we don't like paper straws in the South. Yeah, it's going to be a little different scene. But from just a pure football, uh, and, and Auburn looked great, didn't surprise me. Who knows how to how to coach offense and kind of like Sean Lewis knows how to coach football. And week one, number one, they operated, they were efficient, they got in and out, they played, they dictated. This will be a little different test, just as it will be for the Buffs, as it will be for War Eagle. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be maybe an interception. There's going to be incompletions, right? There's going to be, oh, gosh, we're not in this kind of rhythm and tempo that we were in. What's going on? Why? What's happening? No, real football is happening, and a defense coordinator and staff that knows how to coach it on that side. It's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. We do this each and every week here on Disrupt the Media. Make sure you tell your friends, like, subscribe. It's brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag. Put in that promo code next round. We make a transition to the NFL. Know you're a big NFL guy. Your Seahawks are playing my Rams this week. We'll start first in Kansas City, though, because it's a huge story. And I've talked about these guys because I've been doing the handicapping forever. And for, for a number to move, especially in the NFL, it's normally a quarterback injury. Okay. And this number last night goes from six and a half to five. Kansas City now minus five at home against Detroit to kick off the 2023 season because Travis Kelsey more than likely is not going to play with a hamstring injury. Is he the most important non-quarterback in football? Well, I'm not a big fantasy football guy. Are you, Lance? Are you, are you in all of So I got drug into playing last year up here with the employees. We uh -huh. did a draft. And so last year was the first time I'd played in 20 years. Yeah. Last year, first time, my son, right? His football team, they all did it. And he's like, Dad, you got to help me. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we'll do this. Well, this year, same thing, same team, doing it again. And by the way, he won last year. Uh, credit to Titus. By the way, I won last year, too. Yeah, there you go. Credit Without first, Travis Kelsey. First timers. Titus did get Travis Kelsey last year. And in this draft, he was like number seven. I'm like, well, where is Kelsey? Where's Mahomes, guys that you love that you're going to want to draft? He's like, gosh, Kelsey's number six in this ranking, in this fantasy kind of draft heading into it. So that's the kind of monster he is. 
the supporting cast is <laughs> not what many other teams in the league have around him. So he is counted on in that kind of way. Is it hamstring or hyperextended knee? Do you know for sure? Not, not that yeah, it I thought it was a hamstring because they said it wasn't attached or it, okay. it didn't disattach. Okay. So whatever it is, he's not going to, I would think they're going to hold him. He's not, he's not going to play a Thursday night. This is the matchup though. I mean, the game is not Kelsey. It's not even Mahomes. I don't, I don't know. And I know why Lewis Riddick and others are so high on Detroit. Their O line is dominant. You don't break, you talked about spreads in the NFL, not moving, but you know what you don't see in the NFL? Dominant, dominant offensive lines. And you certainly have never seen them in Detroit. It turned last year, and they became a team that broke other people's wills. And I watched that in Seattle. And as a fan and as a radio host, as a flagship for the Seahawks, man, there was, <laughs> there was nothing better than playing ACDC on a Friday, previewing a Sunday butt-kicking. Like, you know what? You may beat Seattle, but you are going to get beaten down. Like, physically, you are going to the LLB and that O-line and Marshawn over over and over you're going to deal with us like man that was so fun to watch and dan campbell has built that team and that kind of identity defensively they're nowhere near the seahawks at all and still have massive holes there and kansas city will score but you talk about breaking the team's will you talk about a running back that you drafted because you know with what you have up front and your receivers and jared facilitating like we're going to hammer people and no chris jones the best, second best defensive lineman in the league behind Aaron Donald. Yeah, that's going to be compelling theater at the line of scrimmage as much as anywhere else in that game Thursday. Um, yeah, so, you know, Travis Kelsey, I, I don't know what to expect when you look at their receivers. Uh, Valdell Scantling, um, Sky Moore. Kadarius uh, Tony, Kadarius Tony. I mean, these guys really aren't proven. Now, I, I went back to saying, you know, Tom Brady in New England did it a couple of years without big-name receivers. Yep. Pat Mahomes should be able to do it, but it's kind yep. of an unknown without Kelsey. It is, and that's where you need that run game. And I think that that guy last year, uh, the old Rutgers player, uh, Pacheco. Yeah, Butcher, Isaiah Pacheco. Yep, uh, that's where he really became an enormous, enormous blessing for Patrick. Like you could, you could legitimately run it. And all of a sudden, if people are playing us this way and taking away Kelsey and they're doubling him and right, then, well, here's a light box and we've got to be able to run it. And Creed Humphrey in the middle of all that is one nasty, burly Oklahoma. Spit well, I wanted the, uh, the Rams to draft him. Hey, look, you need yep. a physical center. That's yep. what establishes the identity of a really physical offensive line. Yep. And, uh, I don't know. They didn't yep. do it. Kansas and they City got, got it. him. So, got yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. You know, like it's all the fireworks, right? It's all the fantasy football. It's all these numbers. It's Mahomes. All this. But I just had the sneaky feeling, man. It is going to be just in week number one, a grind it out, hit you in the mouth, slam that football, huge collisions, and more than likely the team that runs it most efficiently. I don't know if that'll be total yards, but the one that runs it the most efficiently, yards per carry, likely going to win that game Thursday night. Okay, so we're going to jump around real quick, division by division. I want you to give me your predictions before we get into the 2023 season. Again, it's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. He's a uh, versatile Swiss Army knife. He, he was on the call when Buffalo stole a game from the Rams just a couple of years ago on a pass interference that was called on a fourth down, which was completely ridiculous, but that's another story. Um, so we'll start first, which, and you know how cyclical this league is. You played in it. The NFC West just a couple of years ago was viewed as the best division in all of football. Now some people say it might be the worst. 
Seattle was a surprise last year. Obviously, your favorite is San Francisco. They're relying solely on Brock Purdy to run that mm-hmm. offense. Uh, when you look at this, is it easy San Francisco and everybody else? I think it is, but San Fran last year, that 13 win, Seahawks 9, big gap, that's going to close. I think it's more like 11, 11 and a half, and I think Seattle's more 10, right? So they faced three times last year. Seattle did not have an answer. They couldn't block them well enough. They couldn't threaten them well enough. And Brock Purdy was super, super efficient in two of those losses late in the year and then in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's San Francisco, but that gap is a closing as 41% of the Seahawks roster are first and second year players. First and second year players stay healthier longer. That Niner roster now is getting a little bit older. It's getting very well paid. It needs Mr. Bosa to get paid and be back in the fold. But yeah, I think that that's San Fran, but not by three or four games as it was a year ago. How bad is Arizona? Awful. Yeah. Awful. I mean, they're the worst team in football, right? Have you, have you, have you listened to the head coaches? Why in the world you would have like your own YouTube channel, Hard Knocks broadcasting that stuff? Like this is the year you go dark. This is the year you just like hunker down, bunker mentality. I mean, when you cut your best quarterback in Colt McCoy, at least your best opportunity to win, just basically to trash the season to bring in Josh Dobbs. And by the way, be careful. Like if you think you're going to do all that, I saw Caleb Williams' dad comment like, hey, man, we can go back to school. I mean, Caleb's making (laughs) a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. Oh, I bet yeah. Caleb's making five million dollars. Yeah. You know, oh, why yes. not why not chill out? I saw where Shadur now is he's gotten a raise from two and a half to about four and a half million dollars just on one game. Yeah, Elway did it, Manning's did it. Like they 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 went out. There was no NIL. They weren't making millions and millions and millions like these guys are now, but they kind of dictated where they wanted to go. If Caleb Williams and his dad look at that situation and go, mm-mm. In Arizona, if you're doing all you can to have two top five picks and you think you're gonna get mm-mm. I'll just stay right here. Nothing forcing me out of LA. I got a fourth year of eligibility. I'll go make another 10 million bucks and or whatever it may be the, the following year. And and I'm not I'm not going to that just unbelievably dysfunctional organization. So the most difficult division might be the NFC South, the handicap. Your favorite is the New Orleans Saints with Derek Carr coming in. Uh Bryce Young, first year quarterback for Carolina. Tampa, there's no expectation with Baker taking over there. In Atlanta, if Ritter's good, I mean, you look at the skill around him with Bijan now, Drake London, Cal Pitts. Uh, yep. who do you think wins the NFC South? Yeah, I like the Saints there. I do. I, I think getting Carr out of a Raiders organization that also has had a high level of dysfunction from the top on down. Not that the Saints are a pillar of stability by any means, but he's got comfortable system that he's in. Uh, he, I think Michael Thomas will be a big key there. Remember how dominant that dude was? Yeah, Just he was dominant without anybody on the other side. And Chris Olave watching him last year, oh. there wasn't the accuracy to get him the football, but he was behind defenders all of the time. If Michael Thomas is any semblance, if he's 85% of what he used to be, with Olave and with the run game and with a veteran quarterback and with the defense that at all three levels has a difference maker, Pro Bowl caliber, yeah, I would I'd, I would handicap the Saints. But Thomas, kind of the wild card in that. Got to see him. Got to see him run, and I hope he can. NFC North, uh, you know, people, most people are saying Detroit. You've got some people that believe in Justin Fields. This will be the year he turns it around. There's people out there that think Jordan Love's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're in, you know, Minnesota's a team that won 13 games last year. So 
Who's your favorite right now in the North? Yeah, that to me is even harder than the South, to be honest. I, I think that's the, the most challenging in this uh, because Green Bay is still a tremendous environment and a difficult place to play. And while there's no Farber Rogers for the first time in almost your lifetime, Lance, as young as you are, um, you know, it's still, it's, they still got people defensively and, yeah, you just you you want to say Minnesota. <laughs> you watch the QB documentary. The likability factor for Kirk Cousins went through the roof. You know, I, I think. Th- but then but you they remind- won. They won the craziest ass games last year. They How did. they won some of those games? They did. All you know, and then once they get to the postseason, yep. you know, Brian Dable completely outcoached. Um, yep. My man there, uh, Kevin O'Connell. Yep. Yeah, that is a. I'm I'm not jumping on Chicago. I'm gonna yeah. Gosh, but if you can't play defense, and that's where Detroit this year, and even last year, they just could not stop people. But going into Green Bay and doing what nobody, and I mean nobody, thought they could do in their Honolulu Blue and winning and beating Aaron Rodgers and knocking them out of the playoffs and putting my Seahawks in, just for that fact alone, I'm going to tip my cap to Detroit. Go Lions. You you know that year when Brett Favre took off to Minnesota or took off to the – yeah, it was Minnesota. Yeah. And then Aaron Rodgers got his start. I thought it worked out for both teams. Yes. And I think it could work out for both teams. Obviously, if the Jets needed that. But Jordan Love with that roster, I think they could be pretty good. So I'm not going to be surprised if any of those teams win the division. You could write, I'm going to yeah. lean Green Bay. Yep, you could write a story, I think, for each of them. You're leaning Green Bay. Wow. I'm, I'm going to lean Green Bay. I don't feel good about any – I don't trust Detroit as an organization. Fair. I do think that Peyton Manning last year, and I'm trying to remember the curse that he, like they burned something in midfield, him and crazy uh, ESPN old anchor, his name's escaping me, but Kenny May. uh, There you go. He and Kenny. I think they they may have broke the curse there in Detroit. So we'll see. We'll see. We we will see. Okay. So we move to the NFC East. Cowboys and Eagles. Eagles are going to win that. Eagles are the best team in the NFC by far. Yeah. Uh, I thought so. So we do a Calcutta draft and there's eight of us. We've done this for years. We put a pretty sizable amount of money in, and you get points for win, minus points for losses, points for shutouts, points for getting shut out, and then points for getting the playoffs, winning the Super Bowl. I had the second overall pick. Casey goes one. I took Philadelphia. didn't even blink yep. because, to me, the AFC is so difficult. Yep. But Philadelphia, with that roster and, and with the progression of Jalen Hurts, I just don't see how they don't win 10 or 11 games at least. I got to see somebody just be able to punch them in the mouth. Nobody could. Kansas City, you know, unbelievable Super Bowl. I think if they play 10 times, I would think Philly, even last year, would win that 6-4, to four, but they didn't. And Kansas City and Mahomes is special, and Andy Reid is unreal, and all of that story was last year. This is this year. I got to see somebody bully them and push them around before they're not right there, as, my, as you said, number two team. Okay, transitioning over to the AFC, by the way. This is Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. Breaking down a little NFL. We'll get out of here in a few minutes after these four divisions. But we start in the AFC West. Uh, Justin Herbert, look, as talented as he is. And I saw it, the first ever start at Oregon. I was like, this dude is going to be legitimate. But he has yet to win that postseason game. People are waiting on that. It looks like there could be a chink in the armor for Kansas City. I know that's hard to, for a lot of people to say, considering they are your defending champions, but we saw how that went for the Rams last year. Uh, the Raiders, can Garoppolo stay upright for 17 games? And then you know the dysfunction going on in your backyard between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and how bad that team was last year. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's KC's division again, yeah. but is that slam dunk? Yeah, until the Chargers stop charging, right? That that is just that step, and and you know we didn't talk a lot of Clemson, but and obviously 
they're going to be a conversation over the college football season because that was the thing forever. Clemson is just going to Clemson. They're Clemson, and they're just going to at some point stumble. And until you break that, until you silence that, until you just squelch any of that, even first foremost in your locker room and then your fan base, you just you're not getting over the hump. And those guys in Kansas City, they know who they are. They've had different uniforms. I was thinking about this. We were talking about it on our Seattle um, show today. What about Chris Jones? What if Chris Jones continues to hold out? You know, would he be a guy that uh, Seattle? And by the way, Brock, they say there is no progression in the talks. It's not even close right now. Yeah, and he's continuing. To, I mean, now it's getting <laughs> 117. Now it's like a million a game. And, oh, by the way, you also start to hurt yourself from a franchise take standpoint because it is 100 and some percent. He's already fr franchised. So, I mean, it's taking real money out now and even however he's going to play this out down the road. So, anywho, long story short, I was thinking of, man, Kansas City has actually been a lot more Belichickian than you think. Because Andy Reid is this big, lovable guy, right? The mustache and hugging people, and he's sitting on the... By on the way, those... next win will tie him fourth place all-time with Tom Landry. That's how, how how good his career has been. Yeah, but it's Kansas City, right? It's, it's, it's middle America. It's warm and fuzzy. It's, you know, Andy Reid. Mahomes is a likable character and all of this stuff. But they're pretty ruthless in business. Tyreek Hill, you know, you don't want to take less, you're out. We'll, we'll trade you. Mahomes took a little less. Kelsey took a little less. You know, your big left tackle, Orlando Brown, you don't want – okay, we'll, we'll move you. And now with Chris Jones, we'll see what happens. To, to me, as, as I said earlier, like that in this matchup, Thursday night's huge. But over the course of the season, like you eliminate him. He's not Kelsey. You know, it's Mahomes one, Kelsey two, Chris Jones three. Of the most irreplaceable guys on that roster – and he's not there, and that's a big old distraction. But having said all of that, I'll still bet on Mahomes and Andy Reid. As quick as the NFL turns, as we said earlier, the AFC South, nobody saw it coming, especially with the disaster that Urban Meyer was. Yep. But, boy, this uh, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville and what Trevor Lawrence did last year, and some people have got him in the MVP discussion this year um, – Seems like Indianapolis, although they've got a good roster, without Jonathan Taylor, a little bit different. We'll see what uh, Anthony Richardson's able to do. Vrabel's always, you know, viewed Volatile. as one of the better coaches in yeah. in uh, all of football. And uh, so where are you right now in the AFC South? Yeah, I think the Jags have done a terrific job drafting their young people, the speed. They just they, – they fit their environment down there, man. The Jaguar is fast. That team is fast. They looked at Trevor's skill set. And Doug Peterson is as good as anybody at doing this, and it's why you won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, is I take what you do and I make you flourish. I don't do what I want to do. You don't fit in my box. You don't have to fit in my I, – I, as a former quarterback, this is what you do well. This is the way you love to play. We'll go a little RPO. We'll go a little spread. We'll surround you with a lot of speed and a lot of talent. Uh, they, to me, are the front runner. And the volatility of Mr. Vrabel, well, this will be a big, big season, obviously, for him, for Tannehill and their career arc. But, yeah, too much volatility, too much noise. Give me Jacksonville. We know the AFC North, your favorite's going to be Cincinnati and Baltimore right there. But if I was to tell you, let's say all quarterbacks stay healthy, Kenny Pickett takes that next step and Deshaun Watson goes back to what we saw three years ago with Deshaun Watson, who wins that division? Are you talking then about the best division in football? Or is it still the AFC East? Yeah, I think it would – I would go AFC North over AFC East if that happens. If Pickett takes that step and Deshaun yeah. gets back to that form. Because Pickett yep. to Pickens looks like something that could be a big deal. It does. Uh, give me Baltimore.
Yep, give me That's Lamar. who I've got. I've got Baltimore winning the Super Bowl over the Eagles. Yep, give me a healthy Lamar, a healthy from the inside out, healthy emotionally, mentally, physically. Give him and that dude some weapons that can flat out fly and run. It was really close in the Seattle front office, right, between Jackson Smith and, and Jigba and Zay. And it was they were, they were torn. Some that really love the home run threat and the difference maker that he will be there. Uh, but ultimately, Jackson was so refined. Such a fit with DK and Tyler and in the slot and all of that. They lean that way. But, yeah, give me uh, give me bully ball. Give me bully ball in Baltimore. Give me bully ball in Philly. And it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic ride. You know, I made the mistake in our Calcutta last year drafting Boston College late. We get 10 college teams. So I watched a lot of Zay Flowers. With bad quarterback play, that dude was a complete stud. And I told people in our fantasy draft the other day, I was like, he's going to be a steal. Now, I had a chance for him or Odell. And because of what Odell did for my Rams mm. two years ago, mm. I felt obligated to take Odell. That's sad. That's sad. You let the heart get in the way. Of that I know I did. But but I still think with Odell and with Zay and with Mark Andrews, man, they got some weapons. If that guy yep. can stay healthy and if Todd Munkin can come in. and, and It's good, man. Munkin yeah. is good. Munkin is really good. I've been bragging up coordinators and Sean Lewis and Andy Reid. And yeah, he, Munkin knows what he's doing. He, he, who was I just chatting with the other day? Or I was listening to somebody talk about Munkin and, and just how, once again, he just played to players' strengths and he just set you up for so much success. And Stetson Bennett is certainly a byproduct of that. And I think Lamar will be a beneficiary this year, big time. Okay. AFC East, we know who the favorite. Well, we typically knew who the favorite was going to be Buffalo. I still think they're the favorite. They're favorite on the road Monday night against this new-look Jets team. But if I was to tell you – well, first of all, will Tua stay healthy? And if I was to tell you Tua's healthy for 17 games, how different does the division look? Oh, gosh, that is just going to be an absolute war. <laughs> all of those games. And, gosh, is the AFC North maybe the best? As I look at each of those individually, they are just so fine-tuned to what they want to be, and they're all different. It's a Ferrari down in South Florida. It's a Belichickian, like, you will not know anything of what I'm doing and how I'm going about this. It is a, a Josh Allen, just a freewheeling and fun and so attached to that Bills mafia. And then this Jets team, as you've watched Hard Knocks, man, Robert Sala, this ain't his first go-round or his second. He knows who he is. He knows how he's built it. He knows exactly what he wants to do defensively. And now if Aaron Rodgers can stay content <laughs> and they can keep him stable, just emotionally, right, if, and, and protect for him, man, those teams all know who they are, and it, it is going to come down to – that will come down to the final couple weeks of the season. Okay, before we get out, your MVP and your Super Bowl champion. Oh, boy. Oh. Mm-mm-mm. I, I, I don't do a lot of this, to be honest with you. I, I love the analysis. I love being in the booth, Lance. I'm not a big projection guy. This, this, this will stretch me a little bit this season. I'm looking forward to doing this with you. And, and one of my most enjoyable seasons, and I'll answer it. I'm filibustering until I answer it. One of my most enjoyable seasons in college football, well, last year was off the charts because the games. But we had a guy in our booth that was a, a stat guy. And he's a math teacher. And he's a New Yorker. And he sees the world <laughs> in the game so differently than me. And he does this stuff that, that you enjoy doing at a very high level. 
And man, did I ever enjoy picking that guy's brain and just seeing the, his algorithms and the way he went about his prep and, and even for our college games, how he saw some of these teams play. It was just awesome. And he was so good at projecting this kind of stuff. As we walk through all of that, I'm going to say Philadelphia will be in the Super Bowl um, because I think they're head and shoulders depth-wise, roster-wise, style-wise of anybody else in the NFC. The AFC is just, oh my gosh. It's a bloodbath. It is going to be, it is going, they're going to be like the Pac-12, man. They are going to devour one another. It is, it is going to be whoever physically is left standing at the end. <sighs> can I, can I bet against Mahomes? Can I really do that? And is this the year with this Chris Jones debacle and you lose Frank Clark and okay, I'll go away for, I'll go Baltimore, Philly. I'll go Baltimore, Philly in the Super Bowl. That's what I got. Is that what you I got? I like it. Yeah. Okay. MVP wise, are you probably going? Are you going Lamar? I think I would go Lamar or Jalen. I mean, I could go either way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who? I mean, if Lamar go, shows he can toss it around consistently with these weapons, I'm going to go MVP Josh Allen just as a total okay. wild card, man. I think this is such a big year for him. And I know there's chaos. And I don't know the whole story with Diggs, but I know winning solves a lot of problems. And if they can win in that really difficult division and it starts Monday and they shut up the Jets and, and Diggs gets fed and there's a little more health defensively, Vaughn's out the first four weeks. But, you know, maybe I'm rooting for him. Maybe I love the way Josh Allen plays. But he's going to have enough marquee games that if he is left there and he puts up prolific numbers, even if they don't get all the way to the Super Bowl and they lose to Lamar as a better team and a more physical team, how about Josh Allen and an MVP? Okay, you were talking about Strawberry Canyon and what a unique atmosphere it is for Auburn fans that are heading to Berkeley this week. You were on the 230 call, the Cyhawk Trophy. I seem like I watch this game every year, Iowa-Iowa State. Yeah. It's always like a 14-10 game. It comes down to a final possession. Have yeah. you been to Ames before? What's that atmosphere like? And what are you expecting in this game? Where now we've got a uh, – and we, 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 we update it every week. We've got a Brian Ferentz tracker on total points that he's got to get to to keep that job. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be about two hours and 25 minutes. <laughs> uh, yep. New clock rules will come into play in this one. Two defenses that are built so differently. I'm trying to find a way to, to illustrate this to the offense or to the audience in a concise, imaginative, entertaining way. But if you were to say to Bill Belichick and you were to say to Nick Saban, you were to say to the diehard football fans, where does defense start? In college football, like where is the essence of defense it's, it's in college football? It's in Iowa. It is a four oh. <laughs> down. Iowa, Phil Parker runs this four, three quarters defense and has been doing it forever. And they do not give you, and you have to take everything. They give you nothing and you will like it. And then Dan, uh, on the other side, Campbell is and, and John Haycock have built this three, three defense that Belichick goes and studies. Like I got to see what you guys are doing. So two different teams in the same state, the essence of an odd front, the essence of the even front. Uh, we were uh, just before I jumped on with you, we were chatting with a few of the Iowa state players. And one of the guys in the secondary, I said, fill in the blank. An Iowa state cyclone is, and he goes tough. And I said, an Iowa Hawkeye is tough. And you got tough on wow. tough. And it's why it's a 36 point total why the last six games have all been decided by six points or less, why it will come down to a play here, a play there in that fourth quarter in the scene. 
it'll be awesome. And it just so happens that the Donald, Mr. Trump, will be in the building as well, which is going to wow. create total, utter chaos from a security yeah. standpoint. I'm sure traffic's going to be awesome in Ames based on that. It's one of the reasons I didn't go to the 2015. 2018 national championship okay. in Atlanta okay. with uh, the first, uh -huh. the, the first that Kirby should have had, they blew it on the uh, second 26. Yep. But the reason I didn't go is icing there. And then Donald was showing up and I was like, they ain't a chance in hell. Yeah. I'm going to that. Trying to convince the producer to put Donald in the booth with me. I'm just, it's not getting a lot of traction. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I like where your head is. Uh, you might as well give it a shot. Uh, yeah. Cyhawk 230 Fox. You can check out Brock and each and every week right here. It's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Heward. We always enjoy it, my friend. It's brought to you by mybookie.ag. Make sure you put in that pro promo code next round. We'll join you again next week. Tell your friends, like, subscribe. Safe travels to you. Thank you, my friend. Absolute blast. I can't believe how fast time flies. And we will only have more and bigger and better stories to cover over the next, oh, I don't know, three or four or five months we're together. Appreciate it, man. Per yeah, perfect, brother.